You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hey everyone, welcome into the BT Powerhouse podcast. It is Wednesday, October 18th. The year 2017. I am your host, Thomas Bendit, as always, and we will continue tonight with our 2017 18 preview series. We're moving on to the Minnesota Golden Gophers tonight. Uh, we're joined by a special guest from our SB Nation affiliate, the Daily Gopher, uh, U Street. How's it going tonight? Good. How are you doing? Good, good. Happy to have you in. Happy you could make it. Um, a lot going on in the sports world. You know, NBA tipping off here over the next couple of nights. And college basketball is is right around the corner. Um, what are your uh, general thoughts uh, coming in here to the fall? I'm dramatically more excited coming into this fall than I was coming into <laughs> last season. Yeah, they I remember. I remember having you on, and uh, it was not the most optimistic podcast. I'll put it that way. <laughs> no, no, not really. Though, I suppose if I want to pretend that I said a lot of brilliant things last go around, uh, what I did say is that I felt the only way Richard Pitino was going to keep his job is he made the NCAA tournament. Uh, Richard Pitino did keep his job. He made the NCAA tournament. So clearly 100% accuracy on that front. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, he uh, he survived, uh, continued on, um, and we are around here for the his next season at the helm for the Golden Gophers. Um, let's let's start sort of, uh, you know, to spin off of that point. I always like to start our our podcast previews here by talking about what just happened, what happened last season, and what we should take as we move into this season. Obviously, it was Patino's best season at the helm by a mile. Uh, in Minneapolis, and the Golden Gophers end up making the NCAA tournament. Um, What were your overall thoughts uh, about last season, what it means for the program, and um, ultimately what it's going to mean heading into this season? Last season was incredibly exciting, if you were a Minnesota fan. Certainly from the university-wide, there wasn't a lot of optimism going in. Uh, the football team obviously is mired in a really terrible scandal at the end of at the end of December. The basketball team was expected to be kind of terrible. The non-conference doesn't tell you all that much. The fact that they won games in the non-conference was itself impressive because they had some difficulty doing that the year before. Then, as the Big Ten came in. Uh, they end up finishing 11 and 7 in conference, which I believe is the first time they finished above 500 uh, since potentially the Munson era in the Big Ten. <laughs> they went on an eight-game winning streak late in the season. They got a lot of great performances. They finished with a first-team All Big Ten selection, Nate Mason, a third All Big Ten selection, Jordan Murphy an all-freshman team selection in Amir Coffey, the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year in Reggie Lynch. 
and uh, coach of the year for sort of obvious reasons in Richard Pitino. Uh, the NCAA tournament itself was disappointing. It's disappointing in that in the Big Ten tournament, one of their key players, Akeem Springs, injures his leg, is out for the NCAA tournament. And I would bet that if he had been playing, that the Gophers would have beat Middle Tennessee State instead of being everyone's favorite upset pick. So that was a bit of a bummer bit of a bummer to end the year. However, if you compare where they were expected to finish at the beginning of the year versus where they ended up, you're really, really grasping at straws to be that mad. Like, oh, it's a real, it's a real shame that they were knocked out of the NCAA tournament, a tournament that no one expected them to be in. So that's kind of the last season at a macro high level. All of the names, with the exception of Akeem Springs that I just said, are back this year with additional experience. So there's a lot higher expectations in Minneapolis, deservedly so, and I think there's a lot more excitement around the program at large. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think it was a, a huge season for the program. You know, you mentioned they started off hot with the non-conference play, but a lot, a lot of it's filled with, you know, underwhelming opponents. So there was, there was a few skeptics, to, to say the least, but the Gophers built on that. They ended up making the, the big dance, and obviously they fell short, but it was a, a season of progress. And as you mentioned, a, a lot of star power then, a lot of star power set to return. So um, as, as we move forward, though, obviously not all of those pieces are going to return, and specifically the, the big piece that will be gone from this year's team is Akeem Springs. Um, additionally, uh, Gilbert will also be gone. Um, do you see any of these uh, departures having an impact on the Gophers this season, and how are they going to uh, move forward without these guys? Yeah, you'd be hard-pressed to ask any Gopher fan at the beginning of the year last year whether losing Akeem Springs this year would be a big question mark and something to worry about. So I think his performance last season, the mere fact that you're even asking that question, speaks to the importance that he had on the team. He specifically had a major impact in two areas. The first was in three-point shooting. The main thing that the Gophers will have to replace from a production standpoint is someone who is actually a consistent threat from distance. When the Gophers have someone on the court like that, their offense functions so much better than when it doesn't. And not just for the obvious reasons that teams pack the paint, but also because of what Patino wants to do, kind of relies on having one or hopefully two or three in the best world able to regularly hit a three. The second area that Springs was really important was on the defensive end in that he was a tenacious defender, which I did not expect, but also that he was able to guard bigger guards. He had the strength to do so, and he had the smarts and the leadership skills to do so. That is going to be missed, but it'll, both of those will be filled in different ways. Offensively, the Gophers brought in through recruiting a couple of players, Isaiah Washington and Jameer Harris, both of whom are decent shooters. Harris is supposedly one of the best shooters in this year's class across the nation. Whether or not that ends up being true at the college level, we'll see. They've also supposedly gotten a lot, uh, gotten a lot better over the off season, though as I've 
said before, and I will say again, I don't think I've ever heard any coach ever say, yeah, we got worse in the offseason. The people who will be required to replace Akeem Springs, one will be Dupree McBrayer, who will come back into the starting lineup. Two will be Amir Coffey, who needs to take strides, especially from a shooting perspective at the small forward position. And then likely Jameer Harris, who will also be playing the two, as well as Nate Mason, who will probably have to play a bigger shooting role in the offense. I think that area is a little bit easier to replace. You can think of more players. Defensively, it's going to be harder to replace Akeem Springs because Dupree McBrayer is not anywhere near the defender that Springs was. He just hasn't quite put it together on that side of the floor. So that, mm-hmm. to me, is the bigger question mark. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And, you know, that was going to be the, the next question I had is, you know, how will some of the new guys sort of, step in and, and fill the, the shoes that are going to be gone. And, you know, this is a very interesting set of uh, newcomers here. You know, specifically Washington comes in with a pretty big share of hype. Um, and for those who are, you know, believers in the recruiting rankings, um, Washington's actually the second highest rated recruit for Minnesota since uh, 2009, which you know, it hasn't been the, the best period for, for the Gophers during that uh, stretch, but that's pretty significant. And, you know, for those wondering who was number one, uh, that was Coffee last year. So, I mean, uh, I, I think that, that says a lot on its face. And, you know, as well, he won't be asked to contribute substantially in year one. He can sort of grow into his role, you know, with the returners. Um, and, and some of the other guys you mentioned as well, you know, Harris, I, I think he's one of those guys you have to look at as a, um, you know, a, a quote unquote gravy type of player where anything he offers, you know, it's just going to be extra on, on top of the team. So uh, that's a good situation to be in. And I, I think they certainly have the pieces to replace what they're losing. But um, with that, uh, let's, let's move into the, the actual team here, so to speak, less of what's going out the door, what's coming in. Um, what, what are some of the things you're most excited about coming into the season? Um, what are some of the things you're most concerned about? Uh, so how, how should Gopher fans be feeling? What should they be looking excited about? What should they be concerned about? Prior to a month ago, there was a perfectly reasonable argument in my maroon and gold-colored vision to suggest that the Gophers uh, would potentially be, if not a favorite, one of the two or three teams you'd expect to win the conference this year. And I say prior mm-hmm. to a month ago because a month ago Eric Curry tore his ACL and is out for the year. The reason why I think prior to that injury that was the case is the only player that you lost realistically was Akeem Springs. And you brought in, as you mentioned, multiple players who are highly touted to get minutes who can replace Springs or fill into that role. You also have a lot of returners. As I mentioned a little while ago, every single player that got postseason honors last year is back. They're all going to be starting. You have a team that has been playing together now for two seasons, and everyone last year, when things started to go really well, what Gober fans are very excited about was the team was almost a year ahead of schedule. Everyone at that Mm -hmm. point was like, oh, we may have something special here, and the special season is this one, this current season. 
With Curry in, it gave you a lot more flexibility coming off the bench. You could play a lot of different lineups. If you're Richard Pitino, you could match up in interesting ways. You had the depth to run. With Curry out, so to speak to a concern first, how you fill that role is going to be a question mark. And I think it is the biggest question mark that will determine how good this team will be. Because if you expect, which is reasonable, that everyone else will make some kind of growth from this last season to this season. So everyone else is playing at at least the level they were last year, if not better. You brought in some great recruits, which should unbalance and improve your team. And you're saying, where would the challenge be? Well, the challenge is, who is your backup power forward? And how are you going to integrate that in the team? What's good about this team? Well, uh, Nate Mason, who's named the Koozie watch list, is back. He is a phenomenal point guard. He runs this offense very well. He will continue to run this offense very well. You also add a top-flight point guard recruit. And I thought your point earlier made a ton of sense in that what's really great for Washington is that he doesn't have to be the guy this year. But equally mm-hmm. great for Nate Mason is that Nate Mason doesn't have to play 38 minutes a game, which means that he will be much fresher in February and March than what he was last year. Amir mm-hmm. Coffey is a special player, an incredibly special player. If Miles Bridges hadn't been around last year, I think there's a fair argument to suggest that he would have been the Big Ten freshman of the year. I don't have an argument that Miles Bridges <laughs> shouldn't have been because obviously he should have. Uh, Amir Coffey is, I think, a very special player because he does so many different things well. And one yeah. additional year in the system. So supposedly he's a little bit bigger than he was last year. He added a little bit of weight. Apparently he's been shooting a lot better. Again, I've yet to hear any coach ever say, well, his shot's gotten worse and he lost 12 pounds in the offseason. So take <laughs> that with all the grain of salt you want. Nonetheless, Coffee represents the first player realistically since Rodney Williams' freshman year, that you could honestly say, yeah, I could see that guy on an NBA roster. Trevor Mbakwe probably doesn't count because he transferred in. But in terms of a recruit, <laughs> Coffee's the first player, first player unabashedly that you can say that about. Now, will he go pro this year? I doubt it. If he does go pro this year, I'm going to be incredibly happy because he's going to be incredible. But that seems to be much better growth. But I think that's the second thing that you're excited about. The third thing that you're excited about from a player perspective is Reggie Lynch. Because Reggie Lynch, if you're just an impartial observer, is super fun to watch play basketball. It's always fun to watch a dude with crazy hair block shots. He's very good at that. He gives the Gophers strong rim protection. He has a sneaky offensive game, which makes him a little bit tough to match up with. He's relatively mobile, relatively... Uh, fast, he's obviously big, and he sucks up a lot of players, which allows other people on this team to get rebounds, so he has that advantage as well. The concern, which was a concern last year, is whether Reggie Lynch can avoid taking what I believe is the technical term, really dumb foul. (laughs) That, I think, is a concern, and it now gets back to the thing that I mentioned with Eric Curry. When Reggie Lynch goes to the bench, right now it's an open question in who is going to replace him. The obvious thing would be Bakari Kanate, but if you're playing a team that is very mobile and very fast, Kanate probably doesn't match up very well. 
if you want to go small, the person who you probably bring in right now is going to be Devontae Fitzgerald, who has had two ACL surgeries, or Michael Hurts, who hopefully improved in the offseason, but didn't show a ton last year. And some of it is, well, maybe you should have gotten a red shirt. Maybe it was a little bit early, but there's concerns there. And I think the exciting thing for the Gophers to sum up is the starting five is going to be as good as any starting five in the conference. The bench is a question mark. If the bench performs well, the Gophers will have a very fun year. If the bench does not perform well, the Gophers should still very much make the NCAA tournament, but they will not be a top three contender. Top five, maybe, but certainly not top three. Interesting. Yeah, I, I will say I'm not sure uh, they will have the top five to match anyone just because of what's going on in East Lansing. Um, but that, with that point aside, I, I'm with you. I, I think the first thing you have to talk about with this team is there's just so much returning depth. There's just so much returning experience. And, you know, you, you rattled them off earlier. I was going to dive through it. But, you know, you have the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. You have an All-Big Ten player in Nate Mason. You have an All-Big Ten freshman guy in Coffee or former All-Big Ten freshman. Obviously, he won't be a freshman this year. And then you have uh, Jordan Murphy, who is a really nice player, too, um, and got All-Big Ten honors. You know, not first team, but he got All-Big Ten honors as well. So, I mean, to start off with that kind of talent off the top, and to acknowledge that, unlike Michigan State, who I, I was just talking about, they're not all at one position. They're spread across the lineup. I mean, you have a great point guard, you have a great starting center, and you got guys who can play out on the wing. Um, so I think you start with that, and you have to be pretty excited about what's coming on. You know, you mentioned some of the young guys coming into the program, like Washington, who can kind of fill in. Uh, McBriar as well, he – he should be uh, absolutely in, in position to start this season. So I, I think that is very, very exciting um, to start off the top. I, I think for me, some of the potential concerns, uh, the first one off the top, you mentioned it, Lynch's foul issues. Um, you can debate whether that's a good or a bad thing just because part of the reason he gets those fouls is because he's so aggressive. Um, I don't think you want to lose that. He was, Easily the Big Ten's best shot blocker last year. One of the nation's best. I, I think he was a big reason Minnesota finished with, uh, I believe it was like top 25 defense per Ken Palm. So, I mean, uh, I think, but as you mentioned, the stupid fouls, quote unquote, um, he needs to reduce those uh, because they need him on the floor. They really need him out there with, with some of the, the injuries and concerns up front uh, with the depth. So I, I think that's a concern. As well, I, I do think the shooting could be a little bit of a concern without Springs. We'll have to see if that does affect them too much. You know, maybe Coffee or Mason can continue to, to improve there. And, you know, this is, is going to sound like the dumbest criticism ever, but um, you, you, you do see it sometimes with the Big Ten where you have so much coming back, you wonder about how much better the team can get. Uh, I, I think the one caveat to this, situation is coffee just because his ceiling is so high um i don't think he was even close to it last year and certainly it, it's not exactly a crazy thought to think a freshman is going to improve as a sophomore um but that's one thing i would say you know it's a it's a lot of the same ingredients here um so trying to spice that up to make it a little bit better can be a challenge but 
overall, I think there's a lot to like. I think they have far more positives than negatives. Um, and it, it, it should mean exciting things. Um, moving, moving forward, uh, my guess is this is going to be a, a little – well, you know what? Maybe it won't be as obvious as, uh, <laughs> as I was projecting there. But I like to talk about, you know, who's going to be the, the star player. Um, you know, I'm a big believer. I've, I've gotten criticized for this in the past, but I'm a big believer in that if you want to win a Big Ten title, if you want to be a top ten contender – you have to have a star player. Um, so I, I like to talk about the star players, you know, who can get, be an all big 10 guy, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so coming into the season, you know, last year, Nate Mason clearly would have earned that honor, you know, getting all big 10 honors, uh, regardless of, you know, maybe you would have put someone else there. He was clearly one of the, the conference's best guys. Um, do you think that changes this year or do you think Mason once again is, is going to be the uh, top guy for the Gophers? Good question. I'm surprised you get criticized for that because I completely agree. And the same with <laughs> I do. I think Michigan. I think Michigan State, if they put everything together, should just run away with the Big Ten for for similar reasons. Uh yeah, you need a star player. I would. I think it is fair to say that if you were just going to pick one, Nate Mason would be the obvious choice because it's not all that often you have an all first team big 10 guy come back and you think, well, someone else on the team is obviously better than he is from a ceiling perspective. Nate Mason, I defended the decision that he was an all first team big 10 player last year. And I probably would have defended it even if I wasn't a Minnesota fan, (laughs) But his ceiling is not as high as some other players. And on his own team, he's, you basically got what you're going to get out of him last year. And what the hope is, is with Washington coming in, he'll be able to play at a high level more consistently because he just won't have that minutes track. Unquestionably, if you want the player that is the most star potential, it's Amir Coffey. Purely because, and I agree completely with what, you said a second ago, we didn't see anywhere near him close to his potential. His potential is probably a late, you know, mid to late first round NBA player. I'm not going to say that he's, you know, the second coming of Ben Simmons or something, but Mm -hmm. he is very, he's definitely an NBA talent at his potential, at his ceiling. And he's the only player on the team that I would say that without reservation about. So if he does make a huge jump, then that would be the player that you would say, yes, that's the guy. I need a basket or I need a big play. That would be the person that I would turn to. I would say it's Amir Coffey. One of the advantages that the Gophers have, in part because they have a lot of returners, and it's probably fair to be like, well, how much better can a lot of these players get because they're juniors and seniors, is that that cohesiveness means on any given night, This team has several different players who could be impact players. The challenge that the team is going to have is that those players consistently perform at a high level. So if Mm -hmm. Amir Coffey is consistently performing at a high level, the Gophers are in conversation late in the season to be really successful. That would be how I would answer that question. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting. I I think, generally speaking, I I have a similar perspective. I think it's going to be between Mason and Coffee. If anybody else is in the discussion, that probably means good things for the Gophers. But I I think it will be Mason unless Coffee can can really take that step forward. 
My anticipation is it'll be relatively close, um, but I, I do think Mason will probably uh, be the team's top guy overall from, from start to finish. But moving into uh, sort of the, the play on the court, so to speak, um, Minnesota comes into the season a little bit of a different schedule. I have both criticized and credited Minnesota for last year's what I call the old RPI manipulation technique of playing a bunch of teams that are good on the RPI but not good enough to actually beat you. Um, I applaud Minnesota for doing it. I am always shocked that other schools don't try it. This season's a little bit different. They don't have as much of the old RPI gaming scheduling here, uh, but they do have some challenging opponents. They go on the road to Providence. They get UMass and Alabama in New York. They get Miami at home for the Big Ten ACC Challenge on the road at Arkansas, and they get Harvard to close uh, non-conference play. Um, what, what do you expect out of this non-conference slate? Anything that you're watching for specifically, or is it um, just going to be a charge ahead here, I guess? They should win every game in the non-conference. Is what <laughs> okay. I, uh, I think if last year, as much as the RPA gaming, and yeah, that absolutely happened, I don't think realistically, <laughs> uh, if you were not either really invested in the team or really bullish on the team, that you would have thought like, yeah, they're going to do really well in the non-conference. Garbage the year before. Here, though, the way that they've scheduled, and there are probably other factors, but the way that they've scheduled is we're a team that expects to be competing for uh, at least a Sweet 16 bit. And they seem to have ordered their non-conference in the same way. So it's a lot of games that you would expect that they should win and that you would expect that they should win by reasonable margin. So that's what I'll look for. If they lose multiple games, then that's a cause for concern. But I think equally a cause for concern is if they, when they play, say, for example, Providence, that's on the road, but it's a team that Minnesota definitely should beat. And so if it's a really close game, then that would be worrisome. And if it's a, if it's a big loss, then that would be very worrisome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think for me, I, I will say a couple of these games do, do pop out. I mentioned the Providence road game. The Alabama game, you know, the Crimson Tide, they may be having some NCAA issues. I I don't know, but they're projected to be a top 25 team this year. Um, And obviously the the Hurricanes have been a a really consistent program over the last uh, five, six years. So I I think those would be the the major ones to watch for if you're a Gopher fan. Otherwise, yeah, if this is a top 25 level Minnesota team, a lot of these you just have to assume are going to be wins. And Really, it's, it's up to Minnesota to, quote-unquote, get the job done. Uh, but moving into the, the Big Ten slate, I'm not going to ask you to dive into every game here because we kind of know what to expect, generally speaking, uh, out of the Big Ten schedule. But is there anything that popped out to you? Um, you know, they get Michigan State only once at home. Um, they get a road game at Michigan, a road game at Purdue. Uh, Purdue is one of the double play teams. Anything that popped out to you regarding the the Big Ten schedule? The back half of the schedule is a nightmare, is the main thing that pops out. The last, yeah, the last nine games of the season, Nebraska is the only game that you you would think obviousness. 
And that's even saying I think Minnesota is going to be a very good team. As I said, I can see, though it's much harder now, a world in which they're a top four, top five team at the end of the season. But playing Iowa multiple times, going on the road to Michigan, uh, playing Michigan State, and then immediately going to Wisconsin just five days later, and then going to Iowa three days after that, and then closing the season against Purdue, who could be really good this year, could be mediocre, it's unclear to me at this point. That's sort of a challenge. I think Minnesota will be in a situation where, in order to be successful this year, they're going to have to run up a lot of wins early in the conference so they can afford what will probably be a loss or two or three in those last nine games. Conversely, if they have a really good close out the end of the season, it's like they had last year when they won eight in a row. If they <laughs> ring off a similar, you know, four or five, six in a row against the back half of this schedule, that's going to be a very scary team in March. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it should be interesting. As, as I mentioned, I, I think there are opportunities here. You know, the, the end part of the schedule is going to be difficult. As he said, starting late January is when they get Northwestern at home, who projects as well to be a fringe top 25 team. And then it's at Iowa, at Michigan, Nebraska at home, which is likely win, but then at Indiana, Michigan State, at Wisconsin, Iowa, at Purdue. So it's going to be a brutal stretch there, but there's still opportunities. You know, if this is a top 25 team, uh, I'm sure they'll, they'll work their way into some wins there. And clearly, you know, if they can upset Michigan State at home, that, that would be a substantial win and really help them out in the seeding in March. So it should be fun. A lot of exciting games, and we'll, we'll see if the Gophers can, can pull a couple upsets here. But uh, before we get into the, the fun season predictions, so to speak, I think this will be pretty easy, but I, I do like to run through it at least once uh, for our, our listeners here, and that's the starting lineup. Uh, as I mentioned, you know, with so many guys coming back, it's probably pretty obvious, but what are you anticipating for the starting lineup here on the opening night for the Gophers? Nate Mason will be your starting point guard. Dupree McBrayer will return and be the starting two guard. Amir Coffey will play the three. Jordan Murphy will play the four. Reggie Lynch will play the five. I would anticipate that unless something very strange happens, that is your starting lineup for every game this season. Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree. You know, unless uh, maybe someone like Washington emerges or something later in the year, I, I think it's pretty obvious those are going to be the five. Uh, and really, they don't merit much discussion because we are we already know what to expect. But with that, uh, let's get into the the money here of the podcast. Uh, what what are what's your season prediction here? What are you anticipating? Uh, I won't ask for a win loss record, but where do you see them in the Big Ten picture? Excuse me, Big Ten picture, the national picture. Uh, do they make the postseason? If they do, uh, where do you anticipate they're going to go? How far? Uh, so what what do you uh, think the Gophers will end up doing this year? As a Minnesota fan, I suppose it makes more sense to talk about worst cases as opposed to best cases. <laughs> so worst case, uh, they'll make the tournament. I mean, I suppose like there's a worst case in which they miss the tournament and everything's terrible. But like a realistic worst case is that they are a bubble team that makes the tournament. They finish in the top half of the Big Ten. They uh, – 
I, to some extent, if you're if you're doing a worst case scenario and you're a bubble team, it's really contingent on what the matchup you get in the NCAA tournament is. But I think they should win at least one game in the NCAA tournament if they get a favorable matchup. Obviously, if they get an unfavorable matchup, well, then you have another Middle Tennessee State situation. <laughs> I would suspect that they'll do well in the non-conference regardless. That I think is your worst case scenario. Your absolute best case scenario is the recruits who come in turn out to be even better than you expect them to be. The bench has this major resurgence and becomes incredible and they win the big 10 championship. I think that is equally as unlikely as the worst case scenario. I would imagine that late in the season, they are probably fighting for somewhere between the fourth and sixth spot. And some of that obviously is just contingent on what everyone else is doing, how good the conference is, how much parity. Uh, but I think four to six, and I think at least a win in the NCAA tournament, potentially two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I have to agree. You know, you start out with the fact, as we mentioned, you're bringing back so much from last season that it's hard to see them sort of deviating from that standard too much. Although, you know, it's certainly possible. We've seen, I mean, look no farther than last year's Indiana team, which won the Big Ten, came back, and ended up in the NIT with a very, very similar roster. So I, I, it's certainly possible, but it's hard to imagine without something odd happening. But I think this will be an NCAA tournament team. I think it will be a top-half Big Ten team. Um, I'm, I'm trying to pull up where I, where I had them specifically. Uh, I think they will be behind Michigan State. I think they're going to be sort of in that uh, competition for the, the second spot. I, I actually do have them second uh, in my preseason rankings here right above uh, Maryland behind the Spartans for the top spot. But it would not shock me if they won the Big Ten. I I think the challenging thing is, as you mentioned, that schedule down the stretch is very, very difficult. But if they can manage to pull off some upsets, take care of some of the winnable road games, take care of business at home, I do think a Big Ten title is possible. Uh, I I think a lot of times people get a little carried away with uh, the preseason favorite. You know, the last couple of years, I think it's been four or five years, actually, uh, where the preseason favorite has failed to win the title in the Big Ten. I think the lone <laughs> exception, the lone exception was that Wisconsin team with Kaminsky, uh, the second year of the of the Final Four run. But other than that, I mean, it, over the last five, six, seven years here, it's it's largely been a quote-unquote upset to win the Big Ten title. So uh, I, I just think people, I caution people to to stay aware of that big 10 play is tough. It's crazy. It's unpredictable, but I think this team will end up in the tournament. I think they're more than capable of making it to the second weekend if things go well. And like you said, it's going to depend on how far does the bench come? How far does coffee develop? Can Lynch improve a little bit with his foul issues specifically in the quote unquote big games. So it'll be fun to watch. I think it'll be a great season. And, um, before we let you go, U Street, uh, two things. Uh, any final thoughts here on, on the Gophers, on the Big Ten? Um, and additionally, where can people check out your stuff? Uh, no, this is final thoughts. Thank you for having me, as always. I think that this Big Ten season, just in general, if you're a fan, regardless of what team, is going to be really fun to watch. And especially the other thing that I personally – I'm uh, interested in is what the fallout from 
and some of the stuff that's happened off the court uh, this season is going to be, and how that potentially reshapes college basketball. So how those how those conversations are going to happen going forward this season, I think will be interesting uh, if you're a fan in general of the college game. So that's not specific to Minnesota, but that's something that I imagine that especially y'all at BT Powerhouse uh, will probably cover in a bit in a bit more detail. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see that dynamic as well. Uh, in terms of where you can catch, check out my stuff, uh, I'm on the Twitters at U Street TDG, but we mainly work at the Daily Gopher. We got a lot of great basketball writers this year. We're at the moment beginning our previews of every individual player. So if you thought, man, I really need to know about the 10th guy off the bench from Minnesota, we will have you covered on that front. So that is where, that is where you can find us. Definitely. Well, thanks for joining us. I really appreciate it. Thanks, man. Take care. Um, as a reminder to everyone, that's U Street from the Daily Gopher. It's SB Nation's Minnesota site. If you're a fan of the Gophers or just interested in what they have going on, strongly recommend checking them out. But with that, we're going to end our podcast. Uh, my name is Thomas Bendit. I'm the manager and editor over at BT Powerhouse. Our written season basketball content will start here on Thursday the 19th. Strongly recommend everybody check that out. Stay tuned on the podcast. We still have, uh, I think, nine nine teams left, maybe ten teams left here around the, the Big Ten to preview. So appreciate everyone for checking us out, and we'll see you all next time.